In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, of course, tells us the story of Christmas, a story that is very likely all too familiar. I bet you have heard more than a few sermons about Christmas. I bet many of those sermons have featured complaints about how we are missing out on the true meaning of Christmas. Let me respectfully suggest that most of what you have heard about the true meaning of Christmas is probably false. Christmas is certainly not about the spirit of giving, whatever that is. Christmas is about what the Bible in Greek calls evangelion, that word is at the very center of tonight's reading from Luke 2. In English, we call it gospel. Christmas is about the gospel, which the King James translates as good tidings. We will never understand Christmas unless we understand what the ancient Near Eastern world meant by good tidings. Because it turns out that in the ancient Near Eastern world, good tidings is not just welcome information. Good tidings is a specific, formal type of communication. The Berlin Museum owns a stone inscription that was unearthed in Western Turkey. This inscription dates to the year 9 BC. This stone inscription is an example of the highly scripted form of political communication that the ancient Near Eastern world called good tidings. Good tidings is a kind of announcement. And this announcement would come from a herald who would introduce a king or a general, and the herald would announce what that king or general had accomplished, usually victory in battle. So good tidings is an announcement of victory. The inscription in the Berlin Museum reads as follows. Providence has set all things in most perfect order by giving us Caesar Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since Caesar Augustus, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done, the birthday of the god Caesar Augustus was the beginning of good tidings for the world. 
This example is a striking case of a good tidings announcement. It hails Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, as a god, as a savior for all posterity, as the giver of peace for all humanity, as someone whose victories cannot be surpassed. This inscription says that the birthday of Caesar Augustus was the beginning of good tidings for all the world. It's an announcement of his victory. Luke's gospel condemns every word of this inscription as false. Luke's gospel is an announcement of real good tidings. It is not an accident that Luke's good tidings announcement refers at the very beginning to Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, who styled himself a god and savior for all mankind. Luke deliberately points this out. Luke also deliberately points out that Caesar Augustus decrees that all the world should be taxed. This is not an insignificant detail. Luke points this out because he wants to show that Caesar Augustus imagines himself to be master of all the world, and that he imagines himself to be entitled to tax his domain. This form of taxation is not an innocent political move. It would only have been levied by a conqueror who extracts tribute from the conquered. Roman citizens did not pay this tax. So Caesar Augustus is reminding his subjects that they are a conquered people. And he is taxing most heavily the poorest among the conquered. It is into this world that a very different form of good tidings is proclaimed. These good tidings are brought to a conquered and impoverished people, not by a human herald, but by an angel. Angels in the Bible are not blonde, curly-haired, white-robed, delicate creatures, with apologies to our statuary. Angels strike terror into the hearts of those who behold them, as the shepherds do. And this is why angels in the Bible are always telling people to not be afraid. One of the primary tasks angels perform is to bring messages to human beings from God. They are his heralds. They make announcements. And so does this angel. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Christmas is an announcement of good tidings. 
This good tidings is that the Savior has been born. This is the real Savior. This Savior is the giver of great joy. This Savior is the Savior of all people. This Savior is born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Every one of Luke's readers would know what this means. David was the great king of ancient Israel who was promised by God that his descendants would rule over God's people in perpetuity. Luke is saying that the good tidings is that this Savior is the king, the true king, not the emperor in Rome, but the son of David, born here to rule. This Savior is the Christ, which is Greek for Messiah, the anointed one. The Messiah also has long been promised to Israel he will be the one to overthrow whatever oppresses God's people and to conquer all the evils that afflict humanity. This Savior is the Lord, a title that in the Bible is reserved for God himself. This Savior is the true divinity. He is to be hailed as the Lord because though he is born as an ordinary infant in a dingy manger, he is also at the same time God himself. The good tidings of the birth of Christ at Christmas is an announcement of who the real Lord, the real King, the real Savior is. It is also an announcement of his victory. We know this in part because the angel is not alone. With this angel who announces the good tidings, there is also a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The word we translate here somewhat quaintly as host has a very simple literal meaning. What it literally means is army. This multitude of angels is an army. And you will notice, too, that this army does not arrive on the scene from somewhere else. We're told suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army. This army of angels is there in God's presence all the time. The shepherds are simply given the opportunity to see the heavenly army and to hear their song of praise to God. That's the other thing that angels do a lot of in the Bible. They worship God. And that is what these angels are always doing. But this hymn of praise to God is also a battle song. This song is so important. It's featured at every single Mass, apart from those in Advent, during which time we don't sing it, because we await the arrival of Christmas to sing it properly, to celebrate the occasion when it was first heard by human ears, by the shepherds outside Bethlehem.
That's why you heard this hymn tonight, right at the beginning of the service. Glory to God in the highest. In this first part of their battle hymn, the army of angels affirms the infinite glory of God in heaven. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. In the second part of the battle hymn, the army of angels announces that the infinite glory of God is now radiating not just in heaven, but down to earth. When God has goodwill toward human beings, this does not mean that he has the warm fuzzies for us. It means that he is acting decisively. He is acting favorably toward us by sharing his divine glory with those human beings that he is calling into relationship with himself. He is coming closer to humanity than ever before. Right here. Right now. The good tidings of the birth of Christ at Christmas is an announcement of who the real Lord and Savior is. It's also an announcement of our Lord and Savior's victory and the glory, glory to God in the highest. That is our battle song. Because when Christ comes into the world, he enters into enemy territory. He is born under oppression in a world blighted by idolatry and sin. But Caesar Augustus is not a god. Earthly politics and powers are not godly. Tyrants and oppressors are not anyone's savior. And violent men do not bring peace. The good tidings is that Jesus Christ is here to conquer the Roman Empire and all the evil powers it stands for, to save humanity from all the evils that afflict us and to bring true peace to the whole world. Jesus Christ will grow up to cast out demons, to heal sickness, to free captives, to comfort the friendless, and in the end he will trample down the gates of hell itself because no evil can stop him, even death he will defeat. Christmas means that whatever sin is in your life, whatever oppression you are suffering under, Whatever evil has it, you in its grip, Jesus Christ has conquered it. Christmas is the announcement of his victory. And that is good tidings indeed. Amen. Amen.